Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Hi, guys. We are so excited to have such an incredible, incredible panel today. We are live with the one and only Wesley Saunders, NFL veteran, former Pittsburgh Steeler, who's plant-based and become a leader in the plant-based movement. I am so excited to have him on as well as... Laura Cascada of the Better Food Foundation, a very well-known activist who has worked on so many campaigns. Uh, She has gotten ginormous companies to give up cruel practices and adopt vegan options. So I am so excited to have you guys here. Your goal is my goal. Make veggies, fruits, veggies, nuts, and grains, nature's gift, the default choice for food. And yet so often it's the dead animal on the plate that is the default. So since this is your campaign, let's start with you, Laura. Um, What is the goal and the methodology of default veg? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having us both on. Really excited to be here today. And um, yeah, like you said, I'm from the Better Food Foundation and there I direct a campaign called Default Veg. And the idea is just kind of turning what we think as the norm on its head. And so, you know, today when you go to an event, I'm assuming there's no pandemic, but you go to an event and usually you, you know, do a registration form and ask, do you want the beef or the chicken? And then at the very bottom and small letters, it says, click here, check this box if you want the vegan or vegetarian option. And so the idea behind default veg is really just flipping the script on that and making the vegan option the thing that stands out. That's the default. And so if you want the meat or dairy or egg option, you have to check a box instead. And the power behind that, it's kind of a behavioral nudge. It's it's a way to make people feel like the vegan option, the plant-based option is the norm. And people don't want to choose something that's not the norm, right? They want to they wanna fit in with everybody. They want to pick what is mainstream. And so we've seen from case studies that that kind of approach increases the selection of the vegan option by around 80% in some cases. So it's a really powerful strategy to really mainstream plant-based eating. Uh, Wesley. How did you get involved? And I think your role is so important because there has been this sort of, I would say, very uh, manipulative and uh, sinister campaign to associate eating fruits, veggies, nuts and grains with somehow a lack of masculinity when the furthest thing could be from the truth, because actually, uh, not to get too detailed, but... um, Erectile dysfunction is caused by a plaque uh, in the vessels getting clogged with cholesterol, which comes from meat and dairy products. And so uh, there you go. Take it away, Wesley. Well, there you go, Jane. I just want to say thank you for such an enthusiastic welcome uh, because on such a serious yet joyful topic. Uh, but yes, you, you, you hit the nail right on the head. Uh, it's been a sign of masculinity 
to be a meat eater uh, for as long as we can remember. Um, I grew up in North Carolina where, you know, the economy is run off the pig and tobacco. And so, you know, pork is on every, every plate, you know, breakfast and dinner and lunch. And it's something that's really an afterthought as, as, uh, as it comes to health. And so, you know, it's been my, my journey ever since. I was a little over 300 pounds at one point during my NFL career, and I broke my foot twice. And I, you know, I had a, a doctor down in Dallas, Texas, tell me that, I, you know, I wasn't going to be playing much longer at age 24 if I didn't change some lifestyle habits of my own and be a little bit healthier. Uh, so I, I took the initiative for myself and for my career and uh, started a plant-based diet and went vegan uh, a little for a little less than a year uh, strategically. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And uh, just because of the discipline that it took to give up the things that my body was attached to, because unfortunately we get attached to these things without even knowing it. It's, it's a biological thing. And so we have to break away from that mentally and physically. So uh, I, I tell guys all the time, if you really think you're tough, uh, if you really think you're a macho guy, then give up meat and give up dairy and, and, and also refined sugar. And we'll see and we'll talk then. I give, a, I give it a week. I'll tell you what. When your body, because I've had people say to me, my body craves meat. I'm a recovering alcoholic, 25 years sober, knock on wood, it'll be 26 years, April 1st. My uh, sobriety date is very appropriately April Fool's Day because I used to make a fool of myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, my body craved alcohol. My body craved alcohol. Doesn't mean it was good for me. It doesn't mean that's what I needed. And so... There's something called detox. It takes 30 days to, uh, at the minimum, break a habit, whether sometimes it takes a lot longer than that. And when it comes to addiction, you just get a daily reprieve. Um, and so when people say my body craves meat, I think, yeah, you're addicted to it. That's why you crave it, not because it's good for you. And so um, we really have to start thinking about this in a, a strategic way. So that's why I love this default veg campaign. We've got a caller, Patty. Um, thanks for calling in. What's your question or thought, Patty? Hi, Jane. Thank you so much. First, I want to say thank you for everything that you guys are doing, and you do especially. Um, it really helps all the pre-vegans as well as us vegan activists. Um, my question today is basically, love what you guys are doing right now, but I'm wondering if they can give us some tips as to how we can approach the schools, because um, I've been trying to do this for my kids, and basically they say, oh, well, we have salads, you know, and I don't want them to just think that that's what we eat. Like, what can I do to approach the schools and come in with some examples, either written or physical examples, of what I can have them possibly give the kids as an offering of, you know, plant-based, vegan, healthier foods to where they're not going to turn their nose up either? Because, you know, of course, we're dealing with kids here, so a lot of them will be like, a uh, salad. I'm just trying to figure out what's another wording, some other strategic way and a more enticing food that I can bring in for the kids not to turn their nose up and the, the school board to think, oh, the kids, well, we already give them salad. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, this is, um, and I'll just say this as an intro to your answers. This is speciesism at work. We live in a carnist society where there is essentially prejudice against the idea of eating fruits, vegetables, nuts, and grains. And so institutions are often aligned against us. Frankly, uh, a good percentage of kids, I would say pretty much all kids, 
are not designed, we're not cows, we're not designed to drink the breast milk of another species. And yet, in many school districts, you need a doctor's note in order to get plant-based milk. And they put that little container right in front of all these kids to hook them on it early because there is an addictive component in dairy, which is the mother cows emitting to get the baby to consume the breast milk to survive. So there is this morphine-like quality that also increases addiction. But uh, Laura, what can parents do who don't who want to buck the system? This is a really great, great question. So I'm glad you brought it up. And I think the power of default veg is you're describing a system where um, the default is the harmful one. So, you know, the, the school meals are often just, you know, centered with greasy pizza or hamburger. And then the, the veg option is the side or the opt-in, um, something like a salad, something really basic and not nutritionally dense. Um, and default veg really turns that on its head. So it would make, um, when implemented, it would make the default option like a healthy veggie burger, a healthy lasagna. And, you know, it doesn't always have to be beyond meat or the impossible burger. It doesn't have to be something fancy and expensive like that. Um, at defaultveg.org, we have tons of really delicious recipes. A lot of them are whole foods using quinoa grains beans but can i jump um, in for a second for sure what about the resistance i mean we've all experienced this as vegans i remember i had like a sprained finger and i went to a doctor uh, that's under my health care plan and she tries to make it about that i'm vegan i said what about all the sickly people on gurneys out there in the hallway who are eating meat do you make all i have a sprained finger this is the institutional bias against, um, basically we've got a culture that's brainwashed and we're brainwashed by TV commercials and um, the doctors and the school administrators are no less brainwashed than anybody else. And so strategically, how do you make them give the, do you have to file a lawsuit? What do you have to do? Yeah, I think you have to play their game with them. You know, hey, why not? We do the brainwashing as well. So that's where guys like myself come in, where I do speaking around the country and especially here in Dade County and Broward County, where I speak to the children and I make it cool to uh, incorporate the plant-based diets, just like they make it cool to drink milk and drink sodas and Gatorade and all of that stuff, because essentially that's what I've done. I, I, I'm not... I wasn't the he biggest fan of, of uh, vegetables, just eating them how they were, uh, you know, in order to get the nutritional effects that I was required. Uh, so I started making my smoothies. I started understanding the science behind the food, and I started incorporating something that I came up with called the West Juice. Now, I incorporate all alkaline foods. I have beets, kale, ginger, all the things that, that sustain your body and give you the energy that you need to feel great. And so... Uh, once it started working for me, I gave, started giving them to people around me, and especially my daughter. My daughter, uh, who's six years old, she drinks the drink now. She calls it daddy juice, you know, but she, she understands <laughs> that it's, it's, it's good for her and it's not going to be sugary sweet like, you know, like she's used to. But just as uh, parents, you know, give our kids uh, medicine and over-the-counter stuff that the kids don't want to take, well, sometimes you have to make that forceful assertion to like, hey, this is good for you. I know better for you than, you know, these other people who claim to know. I mean, That's as a really parent, good. as a parent, and I want to bring Patty back in on this, if you're still there, you have a right to determine what your child eats. And if you don't want your child to eat dead animals and you want your child to have that other option, I would think constitutionally. And this is why, you know, we talked about this the other day on yeah. Voice America with um, 
Carissa Kranz, who Carissa? is an attorney, she's trying to make vegans a protected class, just like somebody with a religious belief. And that recently happened in England. Uh, a court ruled that somebody who was fired because they didn't want to I- engage in because they had complained about something that they felt uh, was against their moral values. They won that lawsuit and the and the uh, agency um it, it wasn't like this, this, the equivalent of the Supreme Court, but it was a court in England that said that the vegans are a protected class. We need that so that parents have more power to say, you know, my kid's going to eat this way and, and I want that to be available, not me having to bring it in. It needs to be available. These are, the, these are some of the things that we really, to have sweeping change, we need, Laura. And I'll just add that, um, Patty... To Patty's question, um, we have a program on our website, defaultveg.org, where you can sign up and become an ambassador. And it really empowers you. We've got resources to empower you to make this kind of change in your institution. And yeah, we are talking about a cultural shift like we've, like we've been talking about. And it, it is hard and it's an upward battle, um, uphill battle to, to really get that momentum. But the goal, like Wes was saying, is kind of to make it seem cool, to make it seem like the, the new default, the more resilient default is this plant-based option. And um, so we've got lots of tools for you there if you want to sign up and um, start trying to make this change in, um, you know, your school, your office, wherever uh, we've got, we've got you covered for that. All right. And we've got another caller. Sarah is on hold. Your question or thoughts, Sarah. Oh my gosh. Hi. I'm so happy to be uh, calling in. I wanted to ask Wesley a question because I wanted to find out when he was going vegan, how did he feel when he was around other men and males? Because I know the masculinity thing, you know, is really strong. And what about Game Changers, that film? Does he know about that? Does he recommend that? Thanks, Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Uh, actually, to, to answer that last question, I've heard of Game Changers. I uh, haven't actually seen it yet, but apparently a lot of the uh, ideas that I share and express are related in that film, so I have to check it out soon. And uh, to answer the first question, uh, when I first uh, went vegan and plant-based, it was, uh, it, was, it was a little weird being around other guys because, you know, a lot of people would make, uh, you know, comments uh, asserting to uh, the femininity of eating healthy uh, but of course, I've never cared about what people thought. I knew what was better for me and I knew how I felt. So I've been the guy, kind of guy who will stand strong in a room full of 100 guys and tell them, each and every one of them, how important this is for not only their health, but their longevity as well. So, you know, if you want to last, if you want to you look good, you know, it, the, the food actually affects everything around us, even our way of thinking. So, you know, I try not to, it's not just about the food. It's much bigger than that. So, you know, I kind of stick, keep my eyes on the prize when I'm around the naysayer, especially when I go back home to North Carolina. And, uh, you know, I just kind of present the scientific facts behind it. But I mean, are things changing? Because I think that there has been a huge wake up, um, my understanding is that African-Americans are converting to veganism at a higher rate in the United States than any other demographic. Correct. And you have uh, great organizations that we work with, like Vegans for Black Lives Matter, run by Gwena Hunter, who is distributing vegan food uh, to those organizations and making the connection between um, food and dietary racism, for example, uh, and then there's a great film by John Lewis that's coming out soon. I saw the trailer. I thought it was dynamic uh, called, and he's the badass vegan. 
It's called They're Trying to Kill Us. And he's making the connection between first they feed you the bad. First, they, they, they have food deserts where you can't get the healthy food. Then they get people hooked on uh, fast food, um, which has addictive components. Then you get sick. Then they do all the operations and the surgeries and the pills. And then you die and follow the money. And that, I think, is an idea that's coming up. Um, the power that um, one particular group, uh, whether it's uh, an ethnicity, a gender, or whatever, would simply have by saying, we're taking back our money. We're buying brown rice, beans, collard greens, uh, fruits and vegetables. Um, now, there's an argument that's more expensive. I can basically debate that as well. But do you see, Wesley, um, in the African-American community, let's say when you go back to your family or when you're with other uh, people in, in, different, in different arenas like the sports arena, do you see change? Do you see this idea coming up? Uh, yeah, Jane. Well, first of all, shout out to John, who's um, a friend of mine and also my frat brother. So I've, uh, I've, I've been keeping a close watch on that documentary. I can't wait to see the whole thing, man. Uh, but he's, he's absolutely right. It's always it's been a cultural thing for as long as I can remember, even when you speak of uh, such things as soul food. What we look at as good food has actually been the worst kind of food you could possibly be eating uh, for our people. So, you know, uh, culturally, I remember even growing up, even referring to healthier foods, people would consider that eating white, you know, so you would, you know, like, oh, that's white people food. So already we were at a disadvantage by thinking in a negative standpoint about uh, the foods that could actually uh, better our lives. But I do see a huge change happening. It's happening quickly because, you know, people are voicing uh, their opinions now, not just going along with what the family has said do, uh, which is also another cultural thing as, uh, you know, just following the trends, following the patterns. I say it doesn't run in the family. You can stop it immediately, right? So uh, my dad, who, who's been a, a stubborn eater all his life, he's starting to eat healthier. I'm sending my juices up to my stepmom. She's giving me the insight. He, he, he won't admit to it, but she's the one giving me the insights that he's feeling better and that his blood pressure is down and that they're feeling great because they are eating healthier now. So I do think it's a widespread thing. It's, it's, it's what I like to call the critical mass. The people who need to hear the information are hearing it now and it's starting to spread uh, like wildfire thanks to social media and other avenues. Uh, excellent. Uh, well put. I think that one of you, you hit the nail on the head with social media because Mainstream TV does not talk about this, okay? They don't promote vegan food, healthy food. Uh, look at the commercials. Look at the commercials. I watch cable news every night. It's meat, dairy, pharmaceuticals with an occasional insurance commercial thrown in. That's where you're headed if you eat all of that stuff to the, exactly. to the pharmaceutical. <laughs> so they're not talking about it, but there's a generational divide. The, the kids, I had a young lady staying here for a month. She was 19, I think. Couldn't get her to watch TV. Like, come on over and look at this. It's breaking news. Nothing. They're on their phones. Uh, they are not getting the same level of brainwashing because while I'm sure there are hamburger and, uh, you know, uh, meat and dairy commercials on, on social media, there's also this plethora of people like yourself and uh, organizations like your organization that you are with, Laura, um, the Better Food Foundation, uh, putting out their imagery. I mean, you've got Switch for Good. You, I could be going on all day with the organizations. Jane Unchained, 
You know, we're not on Kate. Well, we're on now we're on Amazon Prime with our vegan cooking show and we're on public television stations around the country, but we're not on, you know, mainstream cable news. Uh, but we're getting the I see a generational divide where w- one sector of the population is brainwashed. They can't imagine making a, a baking a, a muffin without using eggs. Whereas the other generation is hearing about flaxseed and blah, blah, blah. And they wouldn't even think about using eggs to make a muffin. Do you see that generational divide, Laura? Yeah, you know, something that you mentioned about social media, I think just going back, I think that's the power of this new campaign that we have with Wes, as well as Leilani Munter and Stephanie Gerard and several others, um, influencers and um, amazing figures who have joined our campaign and kind of said, you know, the new year is a perfect time or the holidays are a perfect time to sort of start a new default. Think about the holiday meals that you're eating, the meals you're eating in this new year. And are they really in line with your health and your values? And really just think about how you can pave the way for a more resilient food system just by what you sit down to eat every day. Um, And I think, yeah, social media is such a powerful tool and a way to reach young people. I do think we've seen a huge shift with millennials, even this past year with the coronavirus sweeping in a lot of younger people um, are, are, starting to connect the dots between how uh, there's a public health crisis and how our food system is connected in with that. And there's been um, a big increase, a big wave of people cutting out meat and eating plant-based more and more. Um, And I think default veg is such a powerful approach when it comes to that, because um, really we can just, we can kind of help push that usher in that change just by how we set up our menus. So getting what, what do you do? How do you like, what is the campaign? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, Like what I mentioned at the very beginning of um, the segment where you've got a menu and you put the vegan options at the top, that's kind of the gist of it, but it can be, um, you know, way more involved. Like, who are you approaching? Are you approaching restaurants or are you... We are, um, we've already gotten about 50 leading institutions from Harvard's Office of Sustainability to Huxley College, the American Lung Association. Um, So a bunch of different nonprofits and institutions and um, even restaurants we're looking at now to make these subtle changes in their menu that really add up. So putting the plant-based options at the top of their menu instead of at the bottom, um, making it so that, you know, if you pick like just salad is a great example. They're a a salad chain here on the East Coast. Um, where I live and they recently debuted a new dish that is default vegan chicken and you actually have to opt in if you want the non-vegan so you feel like kind of the odd one out if you're opting in to the non-vegan chicken and people don't want to do that so more and more people are going to be ordering the vegan dish yeah we have that here uh, Takaya Organica it's uh, everything starts vegan and then you choose which protein and you can add a vegan protein or a non-vegan protein uh, just watch carefully. Make sure they don't make a mistake, vegans out there. I'm like watching them <laughs> when they cook. Um, we've got Paige on hold. Paige, your question or thought? Hello. This is so exciting. Oh, my gosh. You know, football is on the menu right now with the Super Bowl coming up. Um, Wesley, so I was looking up Tom Brady, Colin Kaepernick, Griff Wallen, Dave Carter, Derek Morgan, and now you. So how do you propose getting this info out even bigger with the football players? How do we, you know, um, just get it out there to them? What's your suggestion? 
Hello, Paige. Yeah, football is in the Hi. air for sure. Uh, but, you know, I, I suggest that we have to go just as hard as they do on these Dorito and McDonald's commercials and, you know, start talking about veganism in the same manner. We also have to uh, get people connected to the root, to actually where it starts. That's why I'm a big proponent of growing your own food, especially here in South Florida. We have a great climate, uh, being able to show these kids uh, how to dig up dirt, how to plant their own seeds and seeing uh, the, the, the fruits of their labor just, you know, 10 days later with beets and kale and all of these foods sprouting up is a spiritual significance to it. So now we, we have to make it bigger uh, than just the surface area. We have to make it uh, more personal, you know, because uh, unfortunately, like, like I said, if, if people had to go out and hunt their own meat. They wouldn't be eating as much meat as they do now. So now the fact that they don't have to see it or deal with it until it's in front of their plate uh, is, is also a, a big thing. So now we just have to uh, keep our foot on the gas and, you know, make it cool, like, like Laura was saying earlier. But, I mean, Paige brings up an incredible point. Tom Brady, uh, I mean, arguably the most successful football player ever. I'm no football expert. <laughs> Please. But even I know that he's plant-based. And uh, again, uh, Charity Morgan, a great cook, who's ma- chef who's married to uh, uh, a major football player, and the, that team has gone uh, to a large extent plant-based. Uh, how do we get the football fans who are sitting there eating their wings and, you know, deteriorating health-wise, realize the people an increasing number of the people they're watching um, are plant-based. Like you said about Tom Brady, that's probably the least mentioned thing about Tom Brady is the fact that he's plant-based. They talk about all the Super Bowls. They talk about the teams that he's changed and his completion percentage, but they, you know, they hardly ever mention that on ESPN. And I, I, I do want to say that that's strategic. Uh, you, even if you want to take it back to the pharmaceuticals, you know, there's really no, there's no money in the cure. If you can cure yourself from within by eating healthy foods and not having to take the prescribed medications that they're giving you, then that's a problem for the bottom line. Uh, so, you know, obviously, like I believe John Lewis will be talking about that in his documentary. We just have to, you know, continue to make that be the cool uh, default. That be the cool option. Even when I go when I go home, you know, there's a great spot in Durham, North Carolina, uh, called Earth to Us Cafe, that makes these delicious cauliflower chicken wings that you know my mom loves. Uh, the recipe is great, but you know, if you don't know any better, you think you're eating chicken, right? So we we have to get away from that psychological uh, hold on us uh, the, to think that we need that the texture of meat to be happy when we don't. Uh, Yeah, I think this is possibly the most powerful campaign is to get, well, look, the game changers, which I urge you to see. I urge everybody to see it. I was never happier in my life than when I was in a movie theater surrounded by we all went to the premiere watching the game changers. And uh, it it has athletes who've gone plant based and they check their blood levels and they check all sorts of things and they're doing great. And it talks about the fact that the gladiators uh, it starts out by talking about the fact that, that the gladiators, who are the possibly the most famous famous warriors ever in history, were plant-based, were primarily plant-based. You know, that there's a whole false notion that's perpetrated that the caveman ate meat. Well, guess what? They didn't have dental floss in those days. And when they find those skeletons and they analyze the material between their teeth, it's vegetables, 99.999%. Because we didn't have factory farming. So I just, I would love 
to win the lottery and just have Wesley and all the other guys go around the country and talk to every school kid and every parent and every business and tell, and tell them the real deal. Um, and that's what I really want to find. We're going to take a short break. Find it. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for us at keyword voice America. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencer channel the voice america talk radio network is on instagram make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows live events and around the network we want to see what you have to share as well check us out on instagram at voice america talk radio we don't follow we lead join us the voice america influencers channel You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Oh, my gosh. Lots of comments on Facebook. Uh, we've got Lisa Jean Letters, New England Patriots quarterback. Tom Brady is the most prominent athlete to embrace veganism crediting his mostly plant-based diet for allowing him to play at an MVP level into his 40s. He made the change starting in 2014. Boy, the people know all about this. That, that was a very long text. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, so this gives me hope because sometimes I do experience frustration like every single problem practically that we're facing uh, gets back to the fact that we're eating animals. I mean, this is my set of glasses. Okay, when I put my glasses on in the morning, that's what I see. Pretty much every single problem we face in society boils down to we're eating animals. Okay, climate change. The healthcare crisis. But prior to, prior to COVID, one out of every four people died of a heart attack. So heart attack, that's plaque in the form of cholesterol, which only exists in animal products, clogging up the arteries. And then you have world hunger and, and humanitarians and people who, who are like ahimsa, ahimsa, and I'm full with love and they're eating animals and, and that food is not going to hungry children. 75% or more of all soy produce goes into farm animals. Corn, same thing, huge amounts of corn. 
And, and so when I look at all the problems the world faces, I see climate change again. I see us eating animals. And what, what drives me almost mad as a hatter sometimes is that the best and the brightest, which, by the way, was a sarcastic title. I always like to point that out. The best and the brightest brought us the Vietnam War. But the best and the brightest can't see this. They can understand all the nuances of the Mueller investigation, and they can analyze the Electoral College, and they, I see them doing this all day long. And they're so bright and so brilliant. And, uh, you know, they're, uh, they, can't, they can't make the connection that 7.8 billion humans eating and killing and eating 80 billion animals who do nothing but eat because they're kept in confined situations, that that's a big problem. Laura, how are we going to affect the powers that be? This is where your, your campaign default veg comes in because you said something about Harvard. Yeah. So, so I think we've talked a lot about this, like reluctance from the people in power and major institutions to make these kinds of changes. And I read a really interesting study the other day about how it takes about 25%, give or take of the population for a social change to really gain momentum and spill over into the mainstream. And I think that's what we're aiming for. If, if our movement can gain that 25%, we'll see real, real momentum. And, you know, we're already probably getting close to, to, to seeing some tipping point of change, but until we really get that buy-in, that's, that's what it's going to take. And so I think it's, it is a long-term game, but default veg is really powerful in that we can approach major institutions and say, Hey, you don't have to take away anyone's choice, right? You, you can still have the meat options on the menu for now, but, but what you do is you put the the plant-based options to the top, you, you down, downgrade the meat options. Um, You put more plant-based options. So people really see that this is a rich plant-based society. This culture is, is full of plant-based options and the meat options are the side thing. And over time that sort of collectively causes a shift in people's thinking. Um, And so we've um, strategized to pick the, the biggest and most powerful institutions as some of our targets, as well as the ones that sort of common sense, like you were talking about the hippies and the people who aren't really thinking about this as an issue. And so one of our goals has been to focus on environmental issues, or I'm sorry, environmental organizations and institutions like oh. the Office of Sustainability, because oh yes, you're so speaking in line. my language. <laughs> it's so in line with their existing goals, and so if they can just make their their menus, but there's tremendous their, resistance sometimes. Are you sure. finding are you finding that you're breaking through to the environmental organizations? Yeah, and so I think there is that resistance, and again, I think. The, the power of default edge is that people do still feel like they have that choice. We're not taking options away. We're just sort of reframing things, adding more options. Um, that makes it really popular. And we are seeing, we've already confirmed a few dozen major environmental organizations that are doing some sort of plant forward eating for themselves. Um, and a number of them have adopted default veg, which is really exciting. We're also really focusing on city governments. Like we just sent a big letter to the city of San Diego saying, hey, you need to put this kind of eating approach in your sustainability plan because there's no sense in like making a sustainability plan that doesn't include food because as you mentioned food and specifically animal agriculture is one of the major drivers of deforestation climate change um, basically every big environmental problem yeah i i mean what i see is that people do not realize that they are co-signing and funding 
an entire, not just industry, but belief system that goes against who they are. Uh, Feminists. Feminists should be the biggest vegans on the planet. The entire industry is based on rape. None of these animals, these billions of animals are making love on these factory farms. They are all forcibly impregnated. And the industry term, you can Google it, is rape rack. And yet, there are feminists who will shut you down so fast that you can't have a discussion. Well, I care about people. Okay, well, uh, okay, world hunger, dietary racism, exploitation of slaughterhouse workers who are overwhelmingly people of color, immigrants, and those at the lowest rung of society won't make the connection. Well, I think, Jane, that's, that's, uh, that's a bit of cognitive dissonance uh, coming in there. You know, psychologically, once you have to be honest with yourself about maybe having to make a lifestyle change of your own, that's a lot of pressure uh, people take on. And so they'd rather not deal with that or not have to address that and uh, make it about something else. So it's very easy to deflect uh, to other things when you have to actually face up to your own doing. So I, I, I remember it quite vividly when I had to actually make the change about what I was going to put on my plate. And when it, you know, when it came time for me to go home alone and I can easily sneak a cheeseburger or do something like that with nobody knowing, I actually, actually tried that when I, when I first went vegan and my body rejected it. That's why I knew uh, scientifically I wasn't supposed to be doing that because, you know, once my body wasn't used to it anymore, it had to go. But a lot of people don't operate from that place and they would rather just, you know, move along as they were living without having to make too many major changes. Well, first of all, I want to say I love your approach, both of you, and default veg, because what you're doing is psychologically smart. They've shown, just like we see, we have to reach a certain level of the population before we hit a tipping point. Now, I've heard many different estimates of what that population is. I've heard 3.5%. And you're saying... What'd you say? Could be as large as 25. Yeah, wow. I've definitely seen some, some varying numbers. There's varying numbers. And um, also, there's a varying uh, approach to how to affect that change. And one thing that people say is, if you come at them from, you're wrong, you're bad, they're just going to become defensive, and they're not going to hear anything you say, and they're going to start thinking of arguments to counteract what you're saying. So how do you do an end run around that? How do you approach these major organizations in an inviting way? Because obviously you've been very successful at it and we could all learn about that. Uh, We've laid out the facts here. We lay out why we think this is imperative literally for the survival of the human species. Um, But how do you lay out in a way where it's inviting and the defenses don't go up and organizations that might be resistant say, yeah, this is a great idea because that's your genius. Yeah, it's it's really proposing a solution to a problem they already have. So especially in the environmental sector, coming back to that, um, you know, if, if your goal, hey, institution, your goal is to reduce your water usage, your goal is to reduce emissions, like here's a solution for you. And it's very easy. You can fit it into your existing planning just by restructuring your menus and it'll help you meet goals that you've already set out. Um, so we can show them um, default veg has re- resulted in an 80% increase in the amount of 
plant-based meals served in some cases, and that reduces emissions by 63%. And that's pretty powerful for them to hear. Um, with restaurants, you know, we've got to show them how it can be cost-saving, um, of course, because profits are definitely the bottom line for those kinds of institutions. Um, it's also a really inclusive approach. Um, because as you guys probably know, like 60 to 80% of many marginalized populations like African Americans, Hispanic Americans um, are, are suffering from lactose intolerance. So if you can get them to put the vegan milk as a default and the, the non-vegan milk as the opt-in, it'll provide a more inclusive environment um, for people with many different diets to be able to eat. So that's a big selling point of it. Um, so I think it's just working with what their existing concerns are and showing them how this can benefit them without feeling like they've got to, you know, make some huge commitment or take something off their menu. Um, it's really just making some subtle changes and it adds up to a huge impact. And we also, you know, I mentioned earlier, our ambassador program, that's really crucial to our, our progress because, you know, if someone here listening is sitting there thinking, oh, this could really work for my office space, or this could really work for my group. Um, we won't know about that group or, you know, we don't have connections there, but if somebody from the inside comes in and says, Hey, like I, I heard about this new approach default veg, why don't we try it out? That um, can really just move the needle a lot more than we can from the outside. And yeah, what Laura. about, uh, 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 Mo, go ahead, Wesley, and then I'll oh, ask. Yeah. I just, just wanted to add on to what Laura was saying. I was going to say the exact same thing. It starts with inclusion uh, to make everyone feel comfortable uh, going forward because, you know, I've had to be very meticulous in my approach uh, on both ends because even when you're talking about uh, instances of racism and eating healthy, they both kind of tie in together uh, when you talk about uh, marginalized communities around the country. Uh, you talk about food deserts, lack of availability to get healthy food in certain places. Uh, you, you know, you don't want to, you can't outright call someone a racist and actually think they, they'll listen to what you're saying. So you have to start with a, a level of inclusion. Like, hey, we are in this together. Uh, let's all help one another get better. Let's admit that maybe there's an issue in some places and that is going to take a collective effort uh, to move the needle forward. Now, you, you, know, you know, you don't want to demonize anyone uh, when it comes to these things. So, you know, you have to be very uh, particular in your approach to these conversations. Absolutely. And, you know, while we're doing that, let's uh, acknowledge that McDonald's now has a meatless burger. So that's a step in the right direction as well, a big step. And they had been rather resistant. I mean, one of the last major, major chains to do that, but they did it. Um, and so change is happening Universities, I wanted to ask you, because universities are obviously so crucial. You mentioned Harvard. Is is it Harvard in general or it's just a subset of? Yeah, it's the Office of Sustainability um, right now. But our goals with universities are really to build these communities of student ambassadors who can get department by department to sign on to this, this strategy and sort of ladder it up to, to make a major change across the whole campus. So that's kind of our long-term goal as we're working with students and universities. And I mean, look, Harvard is like the top, right? <laughs> so once Harvard does it, then you can get a community college to say, hey, you want to be like Harvard, right? You start with the biggest, the most important institutions and work your way down. You could get, um, I mean, that to me would be uh, incredible. I, I remember I was working at a major uh, media company and uh, there were no vegan options, no vegan options, very few. It was, it was difficult. One day I walked in, it was like I died and gone to heaven. Every, vegan this, vegan that, vegan this. I said, what happened? What happened? Oh, one of the executives went vegan. That's what happened. 
So, you know, when change can can come like that in an instant um, and to see if we had really delicious vegan options in school, in, in college, university and high school um, uh, cafeterias around the country, that would be huge. Uh, what about high schools? Yeah, it's, it's even harder there because, you know, there's federal funding involved and it's so many lay- bureaucratic layers to get anything done. But I think, again, um, getting our, our school-aged ambassadors on board and they can, you know, help bring uh, these suggestions to their clubs. They can offer it for staff meetings, board meetings for the, for the school system um, and gradually bring it to their cafeteria and see, you know, if their cafeteria is willing to meet with them and sit down and say, like, okay, how can we just rearrange some of the options because obviously they they depend on federal funding like they can't stop um, s- serving milk for example cow's milk because they have to s- to serve it which is really unfortunate but but how can we make these options more prominent these plant-based options so that um, you know they're front and center more kids will pick them and feel like you know they're not the odd kid out because I know you know when I was in high school and I was vegetarian for me just kind of sitting there and bringing my own food every day and just feeling like I wasn't one of the other kids that's hard and so so changing that that to make it feel more inclusive um, for all different diets is really important, but it is, it is a very gradual thing. We encourage our ambassadors to kind of look at where can they most be effective in their schools. Um, and obviously right now with the pandemic, that's also super hard. So we're looking well, at. Let me ask you a question. I mean, how do you approach these institutions? Do you write a letter? Uh, I, I yeah. find it fascinating. Yeah, I mean, for us, we we start with letters, but we love to be able to meet with them. We've had big corporate meetings where we go in and talk with chains about, oh, here's your menu, here are suggestions for your menu, and here's how you could achieve like X Y Z reduction in water or um, or greenhouse gas emissions. Um, and for our ambassadors, definitely just getting a meeting with these decision makers can be a huge impactful thing because they can bring the figures right to them and show them like here. Do are you the- have like a presentation that you? Like, I would love to get in front of some of these big, powerful institutions and say, here, game, set, match. Here's the proof. Yeah, we've got you lots of- you want to be sustainable, watch this video. Because, you know, we all make these arguments all the time, but there are certain irrefutable facts, even though, obviously, they're being challenged. I mean, uh, the United Nations is now- being criticized for woefully underestimating the impact of animal agriculture on greenhouse gas emissions uh, because the UN Food and Agriculture Organization is tied with the industry. So as, as Dr. Silas Rao says, that's like asking the uh, tobacco industry for information on how harmful tobacco is. Uh, so uh, there I, are... I think- yeah, uh, go ahead. Sorry, Jane. I don't even want to cut you off. I, I just no. think we've been approaching this all wrong, especially since the beginning of the pandemic. My eyes have been really open to a lot of things and how things work. And I think if the, if we want to get politicians, you know, religious leaders, everyone alike uh, to agree on the default veg options and uh, the veganism, uh, we need to just get uh, start a catchy song and create a cool TikTok dance. And then everybody's <laughs> going to be doing it. I realized that that's, you know, a way to get everyone together. And, you know, I'm seeing everyone coming up with videos. People I've never seen dance before, you know, dancing the Cardi B and Megan the Stallion. So maybe we reach out to these figures who have such a hold on the pulse of our youth in the country and the world uh, to maybe translate uh, and transmute some of those messages into something more positive, uh, especially for our bodies and our spirits. 
I couldn't agree with you more. That's why I wrote a song called Go Vegan, Go. Go Vegan, Go Vegan, Go. No meat, no dairy, heck no. And uh, Simone Reyes, a vegan country music uh, artist, recorded it. And it's on my YouTube. It's nice. on I'm going to have to check it out. <laughs> yeah, but I, I agree. agree with you about the power of social media. Like cultural changes are happening so differently now than they ever have in the past. Like one, you know, video could set off a whole chain of events. You know, one oh, person. Just to jump in and say Tabitha Brown. Oh, for sure. I love her. had one video about uh, carrot bacon and it got, I don't know how many Dozens of millions of views. Now she's got a deal. She's got a big uh, agent in Hollywood. And she, I think she has a deal with Ellen DeGeneres. Wow. That, that video broke out. And I loved it. I watched it. And I, I now make carrot bacon in yeah. my uh, air fryer as a result. And, you know, rapper Gray, wow. um, who also participated in this project with us, his vegan Thanksgiving song was a huge hit. It got hundreds of thousands of views. And now he's you know known for that. He's done many other things since then. But I think it's a great example of just you know using pop culture to bring an idea to people that may not be as you know, they might not be welcoming it as much when they just hear the facts or they feel guilty watching a Slaughterhouse video. Unfortunately, that was what moved me, but that's not always what moves people. But Gray reached so many people. Um, so definitely viewers at home, check out that video if you haven't already. It's amazing. Oh, the Thanksgiving video is absolutely yeah. fantastic. Uh, yes, I think all approaches, we can't just do one thing. And uh, sometimes I think we waste time debating which is the best approach, like make a music video, do a rap video, do a, a in-depth presentation for Harvard, do, you know, do something. And uh, for example, you know, at Jane Unchained, we do a lot of videos. Uh, we, we do quantity. Other people might do one video a year, but it's, it's a work of art, right? Uh, we also do documentaries. We did a documentary on Dr. Silas Rao, um, who talks about the fact that we have to switch to a plant-based culture within um, less than a decade, or we, we as a human species could face extinction. Uh, we also do cooking shows. We, do, we have a bunch of cooking shows on uh, Amazon Prime and public television. So yes, I say to people watching, whatever it is you're moved to do, do it. But I do feel because our culture is so, listen, guys are still conditioned to believe that to be a man, they should eat animals. And that's why I think it's so crucial for a men who are sports figures to go out and, and send this message that you're healthier more muscular, more energetic, um, and yes, even more uh, in in, uh, in in terms of your uh, sexual health, healthier. Hey, we can talk about that, Jane. You're absolutely right, and you know that's kind of and like you said earlier, you have to just do something. Uh, you never. I like to tell people all the time, you know. Uh, you have to exist in a state where you're doing it for yourself and for the greater good of others because you never know who's watching. So I know for a fact that I was doing this stuff way before it became uh, popular to talk about. And, 
you know, guys wouldn't necessarily send me a message on day one or day two, but, you know, after a while, they, they would hit me up in the DMs and ask me about my recipe, ask me what I'm putting in my smoothies. So I knew I was having an impact. And now uh, working with the kids that we work with here with Silent Victims of Crime in South Florida, you know, I love my heart melts when I see get DMs from kids showing me what they put in the blender uh, after we did my Win With West cooking show where I showed them how to make their own smoothies, uh, for, you know, at any given time. So, you know, those are the kind of small steps it's going to take to make a huge difference you never know who's watching oh my gosh that is so fantastic i just love it i love the work you're doing so look we're we're almost out of time give us the the summation um where are we going with default veg how can people get involved laura so i think now's never or there's never been a better time than right now to do it because the pandemic's kind of put everything on hold and we have a chance to press the reset button and really start a new normal, a healthier normal, a more sustainable normal. Um, So I do encourage everyone to go to defaultveg.org, get connected with our ambassador program, figure out, you know, where you want to implement this in your community because all of these community groups, all these organizations, office spaces, schools, all adding up will help us, you know, get closer to that tipping point and, and bring us closer to a healthier normal normal, the one that's not so harmful and full of meat and dairy. One thing I've noticed with a whole bunch of social media platforms, you can you can kind of list your diet. And I'm seeing more and more people listing mostly plant-based, which I think is a, a jump in the right direction, as opposed to I'll eat anything or anyone. Um, and uh, it's it's a process, not an event. So, uh, as Gene Bauer of Farm Sanctuary says, we accept people wherever they are on the journey. You know, when we go live at vigils and people respond to seeing pigs going into the slaughterhouse with mmm bacon, I say we accept you wherever you are on the journey. I sometimes worry more about the people who have no reaction than the people who have a um, dismissive a snarky reaction because I see that as a defense mechanism, you know? So you never know. You never know when somebody might be joking about animal cruelty one day and might have that awakening, you know? So, um, wow, I just love the work you're doing. Uh, Better Food Foundation. Final question. We've got 10 seconds, pretty much. How do people get involved? Yeah, defaultveg.org. You can get plugged in. Um, we can get you connected with the program, the ambassador program, and, you know, help you make a change in your community. I love it. And Wesley, uh, please keep us updated on all your incredible work. We would love to work with both of you in the future to spread the word. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank wow. you. Wow. Laura Cascada, Wesley Saunders. I love you guys. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week. Music